Blog Talk Radio. Kingway, Fox, Beer, Locker's acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very hot. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex hat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, with that theme song, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe, it's time for another awesomely exciting episode of Trek Talking. And you know what that means, don't you? That means... What are you... Why are you squatting? We're going to die! Stop that! I can't. It's leg day. That's right. It's leg day, and that can mean only one thing. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks. In particular, the third episode of the second season will always have Tom Harris. So you want to stay tuned for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. We also... (coughs) Excuse me. I'm still, still coughing just a tiny, tiny bit from my flu, but that's okay. Uh, We also have a Star Trek news. We're going to be talking a little bit about Star Trek and how it's changed since the 1960s. Is it for the better or is it for the worse? Well, you'll have to give us a call at 646-668-2433 and tell us what you think. And is it really true? We now have two Boimlers running around. That's interesting. You have to hang out and find out about that one too. And Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, turns 35. We're going to chat a little bit about that as well. And let's not forget Star Trek Day. We're going to fill you in on all the great things that Paramount Plus has planned for that. But first, we have to dive into some great stuff here. We have uh, 35,000 downloads of the podcast, so thank you so much for you guys for downloading and listening to us. We couldn't do the show without you guys. We have 61,501 followers on our Facebook page. Last week we were at 61, or 60, almost 61. We broke that and then some, so thank you so much. You can go to our Facebook page as well at Truck Talking and Beyond. Give us a like, give us a follow, and tell us where you're from. And as I said at the top of the show, I'm your most excellent co-host, Uncle Jim. And with me, as usual, are my truck experts. We'll start out with Eric. He's in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing really good. I am broadcasting live from my mobile studio up in Westport, Washington today, where it's, uh, it's a little bit cold and rainy on the beach, but uh, that's the way we do it in the Northwest. Having a good day. They're all good. They're all, especially leg day. That's the best day of all. And um, we also have with us Charles, and he's out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. A little bit of a, another heat wave coming through till the monsoons come through next week. But a little bit of news for fans. 
I will not be on next week. I'm going to be just outside of Seattle next week enjoying a retreat. So I'll miss you guys, but I'm looking forward to a good temperature change. Yeah, so we are. Uh, uh, yet, so far away. I'll yeah. see if maybe V. <laughs> Leslie Hoffman might want to join us next Thursday. We'll see. There we go. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have some fun anyways. We'll we'll march on and persevere. So anyways, guys, we always start out the show with our around the globe numbers, and for that we turn to Eric. So Eric, what do we got going on around the globe? Well, as always this week, we've got about three-quarters of our listeners that come from the United States where we broadcast from. So thank you very, very much to every single one of the people who listens to us domestically. We really, really appreciate it. Heading up our number one international listening spot this week, Canada still holds that position. And, in fact, they are climbing. They're up to 6.15%, not quite up to UK's record from a couple of months ago. But, man, they are gaining fast. So uh, thank you, Canada, for the resurgence in our listeners uh, up there. Uh, I guess Jim, Chris is doing something, right? Uh, thanks, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give you credit <laughs> even if it's not you, buddy. <laughs> uh, so in our number two spot, we have the United Kingdom with 4.75% of our listeners. That is up just a teeny, teeny bit from last week. So thank you, folks in the U.K., the folks down under in Australia have 4.61% of our listeners. Now, if you do your math, you'll see that that's only about a tenth uh, and a little bit more away from that UK number. So who knows? Maybe we'll see a little motion next week. That'd be kind of exciting. In our number four spot, we have Ireland with 1.8% of our listeners. And we currently have, that's right, folks, a tie for that number five spot. Norway has been hanging on forever, and we really, really appreciate every single one of our listeners up there in Scandinavia, but they are now tied with Germany, with 1.29% of our listeners for each of those countries. So thank you to every single one of our international listeners, whether you come from the UK, Ireland, Norway, Germany, Australia. We really, really appreciate it, and thank you so much for listening. Yeah, we appreciate each and every one of you guys, especially that dude in Australia. We really appreciate you personally as well. And uh, so we're going to break. Yeah, please call so we can get your name. Uh, 646-668-2433 is our number. We're live here every Thursday night. And just call that number and we'll get you right on. So uh, not only do we do globally, but we break it down a little further. and We go by cities. And uh, unfortunately, well, anyways, so Charles, what do we got going on in our top cities this week? Well, not no change this week in this. Uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, near Shannon, still 37. Portland, Oregon, for Eric, is still 23rd. And Las Vegas is still 18. Our top 10 is solid this week. San Pablo, Brazil, is still 10th. Brisbane, Queensland, Australia is 9th. San Antonio, Texas, is 8th. Chicago, Illinois, is 7th. Toronto, Ontario, Canada is sixth. Los Angeles, California, fifth. Sydney, New South Wales, Australia is fourth. Melbourne, Victoria, Australia is third. London, UK is second. And New York City is still number one. New York City, I, you know, Brooklyn has the best pizza ever. I'm telling you. 
King's Pizzeria on the corner of 5th Avenue and 53rd Street in Brooklyn, New York. The best pizza ever. I know. I've been there. I've had it several times. Love it. King's Pizza. Go. Anyway. Oh, my pipes you for a good Chicago deep dish. Little mm. enough of the pizza talk. But uh, <laughs> so we've heard about the top cities. We've heard about the top countries. Now we want to hear about you, individuals. And if you'd like to be mentioned on a future fan shout out, head over to our Facebook page, Truck Talking and Beyond. You'll see the Live Long and Prosper at the top. And just drop us a little line. Tell us where you're listening from. Every week, yours truly, Uncle Jim, picks 15 lucky listeners. If there's a heart next to your name from Truck Talking, that means yours truly has picked your name, and you're going to be on next week's fan shout-out. So let's start off with our fan shout-outs. Eric, who do we have? Well, our number one fan shout-out this week goes out to Kiki Granley from Sweden. 80 mile, or excuse me, 80 kilometers west of Stockholm. So one of those Scandinavian listeners, not from Norway, but from Sweden. So thank you, Kiki, very much for listening to us and holding down the fort up there near the, uh, near the Arctic Circle. We really appreciate it. We're also saying hello and thank you very much this week to Roberto Ganedu from Buenos Aires, Argentina, which is a place that I have always wanted to visit. I, it just looks so cool. I'd love to, to go there one day. So, uh, Thank you very much, Roberto, for listening to us way, way down there in South America. We're also saying hello and sending out a big thank you to Andre Hutzke this week, uh, who lives in Berlin, Germany, one of those people uh, who helps contribute to that tie for Germany in our number five spot. Jaco Menchez from Valhalla, South Africa. Hello, Jaco. Thank you very much for listening to us. Uh, and that's so cool to have somebody way down in South Africa listening to us. So cool. And we're also saying hello and thank you very much to Vladimir Djokovic this week, who lives in Belgrade, Serbia. So, Charles, who's on your list this week? Well, let's start off with William Wright in Monroe, Michigan. Top fan, Bruce Lipkick from Fort Lauderdale. I'm not sure which one. Hmm. Mike Anderson yeah, from Fernley, Nevada. And Fernley is just east of Reno, Carson City area. But that's also way up about a good seven hours drive away from me. Then we got Glenn Fessig from New Zealand. And Bonnie O'Barnes. Home planet Earth, home planet Earth, but lives in northern Nevada. So way north of me for those two. But I'm glad you guys are up there listening. What about Jim? Well, we'd like to say thank you and kapwa to Lori Bledkoff from Big Island, Hawaii. That is a big island. Thank you for listening. Aloha. We'd like to say thank you to Stephen Marr, who's listening in Glasgow, Scotland. That's awesome. That's where my grandmother is from, so that's pretty cool. And Stephen Kyle Price from Italy, thank you for listening. We'd also like to say live long and prosper, and thank you to Derek Penn from Cornwall, UK, one of our top listeners. And finally, last but not least, top fan, Laura Harvey from Toronto, Canada. 
which I think is GM Chris's stomping ground, is it not? Or pretty close? Sure is. Yeah. Yeah. That's his area. So thank you to each and every one of you guys for listening. And if you'd like to hear your name on a future fan shout out, just go to our Facebook page, check talk and beyond and let us know you're listening. If you see a heart next to your name, you've been chosen. So thank you very much, everybody. And now we're going to go to our birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. And uh, we always start off our birthdays with remembering those members of our Star Trek family who sadly are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, this week we're sending out our very first remembrance and a person who would have had a happy birthday to Oliver McGowan, who played the character of the caretaker, uh, not the one from Voyager, but the one from TOS in the episode Shore Leave. Uh, great episode, and Oliver McGowan, uh, great character actor from back in the day, been in a million things. So happy birthday to Oliver, and we're sending out our remembrances. We're also sending out uh, a happy birthday and our remembrances to Ted Knight, who played the character Carter Winston in the animated series The Survivor. He also played Judd Smalls in uh, Caddyshack. What a movie. I love that movie so much, Jim. Yeah, I, I, I love him in that as well, so I, I had to throw that in there. Yep, absolutely. Well, we're sending out a happy birthday and remembrances also to Georgia Schmidt, who was one of the Talosians in the TOS episode, The Cage. She's actually the first one that we see uh, on screen. So happy birthday to Georgia Schmidt. Uh, what an iconic set of characters. Um, and great that they brought him back in Discovery. I thought that was really cool, too. We're also saying happy birthday and sending out our love and remembrances to Clarence Williams III. Um, He played uh, Omet Klon in DS9's episode To the Death, uh, one of our many Jim Hadar friends. And uh, another one of those actors who has been in a million things, you would absolutely recognize him probably from other movies when he's not wearing his his Jim Hadar makeup. So uh, happy birthday and remembrances going out to Clarence Williams III. We're also saying happy birthday to William Morgan Shepard, who played the character Ira Graves in TNG's Schizoid Man. Happy birthday to Graham Jarvis, uh, who played the character Clem Dockchin in TNG's episode Unification One, uh, which turns out to be part of a trilogy as we head into the future here, which is so cool. And our final remembrance this week goes out to uh, the actor Eddie Paskey, um, somebody who is just a staple of the bridge uh, in the early TOS episodes. He played Lieutenant Leslie, uh, of course, from uh, Where No Man's Gone Before, Mud's Women. Uh, he's an obsession. Uh, he is the guy that when you think of the term red shirt, Lieutenant Leslie is the guy. <laughs> so uh, happy birthday to Eddie Patsy. You, you are a part of... Um, an absolute icon of Star Trek as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I kind of want a shirt with just your face on it. Uh, you did such a great job, and uh, happy birthday to Eddie. You know, i got to tell you a story about him. Um, I was up at Treconderoga. Uh, oh God, this COVID thing screws me all up. Three years ago, maybe, because there wasn't one last year. Yeah. 
So it might have been nope. might have been four years ago. Anyways, I was up there and I was out in the parking lot putting on my Klingon uniform, and my wife was zipping up my 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 uh, the back of my outfit and fixing up my Klingon hair and stuff like that. And I grabbed my ballot and I'm walking into the convention, and Ed, Eddie Paskey walks out. And um, I didn't recognize him, but he started talking to me. You know, he liked my costume and whatnot. And I, I was talking to him for a few minutes, and then I realized who he was. And I was like, "Wow, he's <laughs> just—he's just walking around, just like talking to people, just like like a normal dude, you know." And it was just so cool that he was just, you know, walking around out in the parking lot, just chatting with the fans. I thought that was really cool. So I just wanted to throw I'm that wondering. out there that he. It, he was a great guy. Yeah, I was wondering. I was wondering if, as some of these TOS actors, you know, kind of head into their golden years, if it becomes a little bit easier, maybe, for them to walk around conventions because, uh, you know, people don't see that young face that they see on the screen anymore, and so maybe they can be a little bit incognito at conventions. Yeah, that that you know what that could be. That could yeah. be. And. Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to throw that out there. He was a great guy, and he's definitely going to be missed. And uh, Charles, mm-hmm. who who is still with us amongst our Star Trek family? Okay, I got a short list with about three series on it. So let's start with Wayne O'Connell, who played the Lev in TOS's Journey to Babel. Love that the first, The first our Andorian. Yep, and he... And he looks so strange compared to the Andorians that we have nowadays. Now we've got these awesome Andorians with like their, you know, their uh, eyebrow ridges and their articulated antenna and <laughs> all kinds of cool stuff. But he actually wasn't—he wasn't actually uh, an Andorian. He was actually an Orion made up to look like an Andorian. <laughs> yep. Interesting. A green guy painted That's blue. <laughs> Green guy painted blue, uh, and you know the blue makeup from the '60s is not amazing. Let's just say that. No. Yeah. Then we got Callan White, who played Christ in TNG's The Outcast. What a great episode! That's such a good episode. Like that's one of those ones that when people say, "What are your top five episodes of TNG?" That one often makes it. It's certainly top ten for me, maybe even top five. It's such a good episode. It really is. John Snyder played the Centurion Baker on TNG's episode "The Enemy," and Aaron Connor in TNG's Masterpiece Society. Another awesome episode of The Enemy. Yep, another good one. John Savage played Captain John Ransom in Voice, Equinox 1 and 2. Yep. The very first time I ever saw those two episodes, they freaked me out. It's like a, it's almost like a, if you haven't seen those episodes of Voyager, you should watch them because they're almost like a nightmare. It's so freaky. you know what? That though the Equinox episode, it's too bad that that was made when it was because if they had made that today, like they make Discovery, that would have been an awesome like story arc type of a deal instead of just wrapping it all up mm-hmm. in two episodes and done. Um, because yeah. that was and 
the redemption of Ransom at the end and his crew being assimilated yeah. into the Voyager. That would have been a great story arc, like for the way they tell stories today. It would have been even better than yeah. it was, I think. Perfect as part of a 10-episode arc. I think you're totally right, Jim. They, they had to rush it a little. I mean, at least they gave it two episodes, but it could use some more because you would have liked to have dug into all his crew members just a little bit more, right? Yeah, it would have been it would have been great to see the breakdown of them from Starfleet officers to what to the murderous individuals and the backstabbing, conniving people they became, and then the redemption of the few that made it to the end, and of course the alien race that they were torturing to steal their essence from too. I mean, it, it could have really it was great as it is, but it could have been spectacular. Mm-hmm. We keep inter- we keep interrupting poor Charles. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> Charles. The- you just such good episodes okay, yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> He's got all the good episodes. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Tiffany Talman play Tressa in Boys Innocent. And my last one, Jennifer Lean, play Tess in Boys. First three seasons. And boy, she has yeah. an interesting topic when you start talking about her and the relationship with her and some of the crew members on board. When you listen to the uh, podcast about voice, it's interesting to see how some of the crew kind of reacted around her and the relationship that occurred. Uh, Jim, yeah. who's on your list? Oh. I think you've got a few oh, Voy got... episodes you can talk about. Yeah, I've got a few Voys here. So first we want to say happy birthday to Ray Weiss, who played Arteris in the Voy episode Hope and Fear, and Lico in the TNG episode Who Watches the Watchers. Interesting episode. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Melinda Page Hamilton, who played Fizal Fox in Enterprise Stigma. Um one of his many wives. Um, we'd like to say happy birthday to Nancy Bell, who played Ensign Gital in the boy episode, Gital. Uh, happy birthday to Joey Oresco, who played Brawl in the TNG episode, The Vengeance Factor. That one was cool. And happy birthday to Lassie. You guys remember Lassie from Porky's? Okay. How about... Um, <laughs> How about Big Trouble in Little China? Um, I could go uh, yeah. Sex in the City. I could go on and on. We're talking about Kim Cattrall, who played Lieutenant Valris in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and the Police Academy. Um, wow, she, she's been in a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Lots and lots and lots. And last, but, but uh, definitely, definitely not least, is the new Captain Kirk from the Kelvin Universe movies. Um, yeah, Chris Pine, um, who I think I think all the casting for the Kelvin movies is, is spot-on spectacular to begin with. I think they picked perfect, the, per, the, the perfect actors to play these iconic characters. And Chris Pine as a young, brash version of Kirk that we didn't quite get to see was great. 
So happy birthday to Chris Pine. And with that, guys, we have to take our very first commercial break of the evening, believe it or not. But don't worry, because we still have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. And our number here is 646 uh, 668-2433. Please, please give us a call. And we'll be right back after we hear. What are we going to hear? What do I got programmed into here? Uh, what's the next thing I got here? Oh, I can't find it. Yeah, there it is. After we hear this lower deck sneak peek. Shields up. Red alert. All right. Look alive, people. We need to get to the engine room and disable the defense. What? I've got a safer plan. No, you don't cut off my badass plan. We'll embed an away team disguised as miners. Dude, you're clearly Starfleet. Uh, no, I'm a miner with a heart of gold. Mind if I give her a whirl? Of course. Just don't send us to the Delta Quadrant. I'm grateful to have a ship and a crew I trust with my life. Don't move. There's no guarantee we're going to get out of this. Break for impact. But we're not dead yet. You can't go in there. The radiation. Ow. Hot. So how about we go in and kick some ass? Ha! We lost him. Never doubt me. I barfed that bubble bath. Yeah, I was there. Thank you for the update. And we're back, and we're just finishing up our Star Trek birthdays, and we're about to dive into Star Trek news. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. Black alert. And all the stories we're about to talk about on our Star Trek news section, you can go to our Facebook page and read them in their entirety instead of my condensed for the radio version. So the first story we have to share is a sad one. Star Trek's Lieutenant Leslie, Eddie Paskey, has passed away at age 81. Originally, I had him in the birthday column. I had to move him to the deceased column, unfortunately. Uh, You will know him when you see him because you've seen him in 58 of 79 episodes of Star Trek, the original series. Sadly, Eddie Paskey, most often known as Lieutenant Leslie, passed away on August 17th, just three days shy of his 82nd birthday. Star Trek author and consultant Dayton Ward shared the news on his blog on Saturday, where he noted that Paskey's many appearances began as early as the second TOS pilot, where no man has gone before. Of those appearances, he received screen credit only twice, though he had speaking parts in four of them. He even made a unique distinction in one of those speaking parts, though under the influence of mind-altering spores, of openly supporting mutiny against Captain Kirk, in the season one episode, The Size of Paradise. Teske also stood in for William Shatner, and close-up shots of hands were used to sublight, excuse me, to substitute for James Dewan's hands due to the later missing middle finger. Outside of Star Trek, Paskey was appeared in shows such as Ben Casey, The Dick Van Dyke Show, The Lucy Show, Wild Wild West, and Mission Impossible. 
And I mentioned to you guys earlier that I had I had the pleasure of running into him um, in the parking lot at Trek Conoroga, and he was just he was a great guy all around. Loved the fans, loved Star Trek, and he definitely will be missed. And uh, yeah, I did not know yeah. that that Jimmy Doohan was missing a finger until I met him at a Star Trek convention. So I think it's cool that that he was a stand-in for Scotty's hands, which I did not know. Yeah, that's wild. That's not something that you would have thought at all. I mean, you'd just think, oh, God, of course I've seen his hands on screen before, but that's just not something you normally see. So very, very interesting. You know, one little bit of um, trivia that I thought was kind of cool about Lieutenant Leslie was that um, he actually was never addressed in the show by his rank. But if you remember in the Squire of Gothos, he actually got to sit in the captain's chair in that episode and in that episode, um, he is uh, he displays the rank of lieutenant. So it turns out that he wasn't just some lowly ensign. Uh, he, you know, they had a lieutenant up there running the running the helm. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that that's that's pretty cool actually. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, right now about. I found this article and I found it interesting. So that's why we're gonna we're gonna play it. This clip that I'm about to play actually is an old clip from 2009, but it, it, it sets up this next article just perfect. So this is an onion story uh, that came out right around 2009, just prior to uh, the new Star Trek movie that came out. Turning to entertainment, Star Trek fans are decrying the latest film in the long-running series as a fun and watchable action-packed thrill ride. Yes, it was exciting, but where was the heavy-handed message about tolerance? Where was the stiff acting? I mean, it just didn't seem like a Star Trek movie to me. I'm just really, really disappointed that this storyline made sense. If I wanted to see young, attractive people uh, doing cool, exciting things, I, I, you know, I'd go watch sports. And with us now to discuss the backlash is entertainment reporter Bree Lindsay. Hi, Glenn. Bree, is this Star Trek as riveting as the fans are complaining it is? Uh, Glenn, early reviews are calling it a delightful action-adventure movie and a surefire hit. No wonder the fans feel betrayed here. Apparently, there is even one scene set at a long table in which interstellar diplomacy is debated in endless detail. Really? I understand fans were angry that the Klingons' dialogue was subtitled because it allows the Klingons to be understood by people who haven't studied the right. imaginary language yes, for years. but most fans were more upset by the look of the movie. Mm -hmm. Stopping chases, state-of-the-art CGI, really? and alien battle scenes that don't just look like two out-of-shape guys in bad makeup fighting awkwardly. That's a real slap in the face for Trek fans. Right, yes, but I think the bigger issue is that fans felt like Star Trek belonged to them, and now the studio has turned it into something people will actually like. Oh. What about the casting of up-and-coming young actor Chris Pine as James T. Kirk instead of the aging, bloated William Shatner? Well, of course, that announcement was a huge disappointment for fans and Shatner alike. A lot of the fans have been saying that this movie sullies the vision of someone called Gene Roddenberry. Right. Yes, Gene Roddenberry was the hack who created the Star Trek television show oh. way back in the 40s or something. So is Paramount doing anything to combat all this negative press? Yes, rate? they are. They've announced the DVD release will feature a special cut just for the Trek fans mm -hmm. with three hours of extra footage in which characters stand around debating the merits okay. of saving the Andorian ambassador from the surface of Silax Poor sure. until you just wish everyone was dead. Well, that should be some consolation. Thanks, Bree. Thanks, Gunn. Earlier today, Paramount released this statement to ease fans' concerns. We stand behind this film and firmly believe that in a few years it will seem just as dated and cornball as previous Star Trek films. Moving on now, an elderly black woman is still following President Obama around and shedding a single tear whenever he does anything. 
now that is for those of you who don't know, the onion puts out these sarcastic uh, parodies, and uh, it's it's all meant in fun. But Eric, what is our first, what what story do you have for us, which we're going to talk about? Well, that was the perfect setup for this article. This article says lower decks is an indictment of Abrams and Kurtzman era Star Trek. Uh, I've been a Star Trek fan for most of my life, and yet I still chuckled at this Onion video released after the first J.J. Abrams installment came out back in 2009. Quote, Trekkies bash new Star Trek films as fun and watchable. (laughs) Star Trek isn't (laughs) to a lot of people's taste, J.J. Abrams among them. He said in interviews he never really liked Trek and was trying to make it more like Star Wars. The reboot films were a breath of fresh air after four years of no original Trek content, as they, and they did get some new fans into the franchise. Some of those novices would later dip their toe into the water of TV Trek and found that they did actually enjoy it a lot, despite its slower pace. After three seasons of heavy action on Discovery and the jaded grimdark of season one of Picard, the first season of Lower Decks injected some levity back into the franchise with parody that went up to, but not quite over the line. Both DS9 and Discovery engaged in wars with the Klingon Empire. On Enterprise, the crew ended up hunting down the Zindi with a cater of trained soldiers on board for its third season. Even Voyager had to deal with constant accusations that they were a conquering force as they struggled to get home. Lower Decks is our first book in a while at a Starfleet dedicated to exploration, with the crew of the Cerritos specializing in second contact, that is, getting communication and trade set up with the planets that flashier ships like the Enterprise meet in their adventures. The Onion video takes old-school Trek fans to task for being gatekeepers, for wallowing and fetishizing things that other folks find boring. The new era of Trek has stretched the definition of what Star Trek could be, expanding into new genres and injecting a little action to sate the appetites of modern audiences. But Lower Decks is the first time I've seen pushback from within the franchise itself. The show is basically saying, sure, Star Trek can be exciting, but there's a reason it became popular in the first place, which is so So, true. Let's dive in and talk about this for a minute here. You know, how has Star Trek changed since the 60s? And Discovery, J.J. and Discovery and all these, and and what, what they're terming is newer Star Trek. Is it still Star Trek? Now, I hear this. The reason I wanted to talk about this, actually, because I hear this a lot on a lot of the pages that I go on Facebook and even on our Trek talking page where people use the term and say it's not real Star Trek or the term that I that bugs me more than anything is new Trek. New Trek isn't Star Trek. And uh, I don't I don't agree with that at all. Has has Star Trek changed? Yes. It has, but to go back to the 60s and hold every Star Trek that comes out to the standards of the 60s, in my book, is ludicrous. They, there's so many things that they just could. We were just talking about the Andorians. The makeup in the 60s was just, they did the best they could do with the TV budget that they had. And to compare everything to that and say, well, you know, it's not real Star Trek because the ships look better, because they're too flashy, because the action scenes are better, the CGI is better, the ships are better. It's just, when you boil it down, in my mind, all Star Trek comes down to one 60s 
simple thing, Hiddick. Infinite diversity and infinite combinations. Star Trek is about acceptance, and that's what it's about. It's not about Borg. It's not about Klingons. It's not about spaceships or battles or uniforms or, or transporters or can you go through the shields or any of that stuff. It comes down to the message that's behind it, and that's the Itic. Acceptance and the fact that on Star Trek, doesn't matter if you're blue or green or if you have three arms or two heads, you're accepted and you're part of the Federation family. To me, that's the message of Star Trek. And the fact that they can make it faster and flashier and better and, and you know, more technologically advanced than they could in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, or even the 90s, it's not a problem. That's just advances in cinematography and camera angles and, and shooting and things of that nature. So I don't have a problem with it. It has changed, but it hasn't driven me away. What about you, Charles? Well, one of the things that I know from the article that stood out, and I made a note on our show notes, is one word that I got taught this week. And that's the word gatekeeper. I had never heard the term before, but I got taught what that term is. And that's, that's one of the names that people get when they have to separate the Trek up to Enterprise and the JJ to Paramount Plus series. We've got the people that are so old school they can't recognize the new stuff as being Trek. But I'll look at a comment that I've seen. Oh, somebody posted a picture saying, why would somebody hand Captain Kirk, or I think it was Pike, actually, a clipboard with notes of what's going on in the ship? Well, why would he do that? See, in the 60s, we didn't know what a handheld computer was. It wasn't until we got the TNG, maybe a little bit in the movies, but a lot more TNG, that we got handheld computers. We got something more than just a simple tricorder. We had pads. Well, why do we have pads? <clears throat> well, pads seem to them is like a great idea of people carrying something something like a laptop but smaller. Oh, it's some kind of new technology. Well, gee, we went from pads to iPads and can't think of the name of it. Touch devices. Handheld devices. Big big forms of our phone. Oh, what technology changed. So Star Trek changed, technology changed, and we adapted that technology. There's a lot of stuff in the tech of Trek that Tech came up with it. Star Trek came up with this great idea. And people loved it so much, they decided they'd create it for real. We still got a few things we're working on. We still don't have transporters. We still don't have warp drive. But there's a lot of technology that we're gaining as Star Trek evolves. 
So why do we change from the old series to the new series? Because we're evolving. We've got to get something that might be a little faster paced from what Star Trek used to be to take care of some of the more some of the newer audiences. But that's also add the fact, oh, let's add some comedy. We've always had drama. Well, let's add some comedy. Okay, comedy. Now we got lower deck. Picard is such a popular captain. Well, let's see what happened to him. Let's create the Picard series. Well, uh, we might do something with the kids. Let's create Prodigy. We got that coming soon. We don't have a date for it yet, but they keep saying fall of 2021. Well, fall of 2021 is not very far away. Star Trek has evolved to what the fan, what the bulk of the fans want. It's a little more difficult to pay for a TV series. But if we go streaming, we got more money. We got more technology. We've got more realism. Episodes look more like movies because they can use movie quality filming instead of TV level filming. You got to realize that as as R2D2 says in the background, they were recording a lot of the episodes in old films, old old TV technology. Old, I think, 35-millimeter-based filming. That's why it's so difficult to get the Blu-ray and 4K versions of a lot of stuff because it wasn't filmed in that, in that version. It costs a lot of money. Oh, I want to I want to see all the Trek in 4K. You got a few million to sit there and upgrade uh, DS9 and Voyager to that tech, to that standard. It's not going to be easy. It's gonna, you got a you got a several million. It's going to cost you to upgrade. But we still enjoy it in the old format. So I like what starts. I like the direction start it's going. I think it's going for the better. I think we're getting a lot more variation. One or two series, we got multiple series that's going on. If I want a break, go back and rewatch a series. But we're gonna get the point that we're gonna be turning around up. There's another there's another Star Trek series we gotta talk about. Another set of episodes. Okay, well we got another ten weeks. We're going to talk about this series. We don't have a whole lot of time to go back and talk about some of the past episodes. We want to talk about what's current. It's going to take quite a bit to squeeze in some of our book notes and our comments because we're busy talking about current tracks. What do you think, A lot of tracks. Yeah, I mean... um... I think it's really interesting the way in which Star Trek has changed over the years. I feel like um, Next Generation, DS9, Voyager, definitely an obvious outgrowth of the Trek of the 60s. They, each episode had kind of the same format, you know, starts with the captain's log, uh, goes through. By the end of the episode, everything was all kind of tied up, and there are no consequences at the end of the day. 
Uh, we've talked a lot on this podcast about how shows like Discovery and Picard are different. Um, they actually show lasting consequences. They're a little bit more realistic, I think, in that regard. You know, somebody, uh, I don't know, kills somebody in one episode, they might still be experiencing the trauma of that the next episode, uh, which I think is really interesting. I, 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 you know, not to beat a dead horse, but I do feel like the one thing that Trek does now that it kind of scratched the surface of in the past but now has gotten much better at is, um, is digging into the hard questions, you know. I think that it's very easy to say this is moral, that's not moral. Um, of course, we want to be, uh, you know, we want to practice the idic, we want to uh, say infinite diversity and infinite combinations. But you look at something like season three of Discovery, for example, with the complete breakdown of the Federation that we knew once upon a time, uh, and you, you kind of realize the, um, the house built upon sand, you know, the sand in this case being the technology of warp drive, uh, maybe that wasn't the best house to build the Federation on. And see, that to me, when you start questioning uh, the fundamentals of the Federation, that's when Star Trek gets really interested. Star Trek of the 60s, kind of played out exactly the, um, what will I call it, the American dream. You know, Conqueror comes in, advanced technology, comes into a lesser civilization, shows them the way that they should be living, gives them some technology. Uh, they are all of a sudden members of the Federation and so much better for it. Well, shows like Discovery and even Picard to some extent are kind of turning that idea on its head. What if the Federation wasn't infallible? What if the Federation, you know, had some nutty admirals along the way that <laughs> caused things to kind of go south? Um, so I just think it absolutely has changed. To me, Star Trek is so much more detailed and interesting to watch. Now, that is not to say that I will not sit down on a regular basis, and I'm talking four to five nights a week, to watch a TNG episode because I love the comfort of those TNG episodes. But man, if I want to think a little bit or if I want to push the boundaries of my mind a little bit, you better believe I'll be watching some of the newer Star Trek. And the other thing that I'll just mention very quickly is that I kind of have a problem with people lumping Kelvin universe Trek in with our new television Trek because they're really, really different. I think the Kelvin Universe movies were meant to be Star Wars. You know, they're, they're, it's like action right from the get-go, and it just action the whole movie, which is awesome. I love action movies. Um, not used to that much action in the Star Trek movie, but, you know, I, I, got, I liked it in 2009 when I saw it. Um, there, but, you know, Discovery has action and stuff, but it's a lot more thinky. So, at any rate, I do think... Uh, Star Trek has changed quite a bit over the years. I personally like it. I think that you can choose to hang on to your nostalgia and say that nothing will ever be as good as old Trek. Um, and if you do, you know, that's fine. But you may be missing out on some really, really cool stuff that is out there that might might make you think in a different way. And I just, H, how did you get in here? Who let you in here? Uh, this cat, I think he beams through the wall or something. I don't, I don't know how he gets in here, but he does. I leave him out there. He gets in. I don't. I don't know. He, he's Houdini. Anyways, I, the one thing I wanted to say about Star Trek changing is that I think in the '60s, when Gene Roddenberry created the original Star Trek, and 
put a crew on the bridge. What Gene Roddenberry did that was extremely unique in the 60s is he, he put a, a black woman on the bridge right during the heights of the Civil Rights Movement. He put a Russian on the bridge right during the Cold War. He put an Asian on the bridge, right, right, you know, people were still healing from Korea, oh, Vietnam, World War, World War II, World War II, right? All this stuff was fresh, and yet he chose people to represent these enemies of America. I, I don't know what you want to call them, but diversity. Put them on a bridge, put them all together, and made them into a family. And that's what they did in the 60s. Well, when the 80s came around and it was time for a new Star Trek, and he also used the Klingons as a metaphor for Russia, which was pretty cool. But when the 80s came along and it was time to make TNG, to me, that's where Star Trek changed. And at Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, all of them from that point on used Star Trek metaphors to represent humanity instead of actual humans with the exception I mean he put Worf on the bridge I love it to represent Russia um, Jordy being a, a disabled a handicapped person on the bridge but the rest of the characters were not representate didn't represent uh, anybody that was in racial strife at the time and neither nobody on Voyager Nobody on Deep Space Nine. And I'm not knocking those characters because they're all great. I love Major Kira. I love Quark. But my point is that you couldn't sit down and watch it and see that person as you, like you could with Uhura, like you could with Sulu, like you could with Chekhov. And then Voyager, or then Discovery came along. And now you have, you have, uh, you have uh, uh, Adira, you have Gray, uh, you have Stamets, you have Colbert. You actually have people on the show that that viewers can watch and see themselves and say, you know, we make it. I'm there. There is me on the show. And to me, I think that's the biggest way that Star Trek has changed. They got away from it, and now they got back to it. But... Yeah, anyways. Not only that, Jim, but you look at how many women, just like women alone on the Discovery versus any other ship in all of Starfleet throughout history. There's so many women on the bridge, right? And they did that intentionally. They did that because they wanted to represent people more accurately so that more people would want to watch Star Trek because they see themselves in it. And I just got done rewatching uh, all of Discovery again, and I, I, I love Giorgio. I just, she kicks butt. When she kicks Lorca in the face, oh, my God. I love her. I love her. I love her. You know, I love all the women on the bridge. I mean, Awishikun is awesome, and I'm glad that they finally dove into her a little bit more. Detmer is awesome. And, and that's the other thing, Jim, is that these characters have depth, right? They're not just always the same way every single time, uh, you get to see them when they're having a bad day. And you get to see them when they're having a good day and when their boyfriend just broke up with them and blah, 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 blah. I, that, I love that. I love getting into the nitty-gritty of these relationships that these people have on board a starship. And they only, 
I, I was pointing that they only have 10 episodes to, 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 to make. They don't have 26 or 23 or 25 like they used to where they could do an entire episode where Beverly Crusher falls in love with a haunted candle or Tom Paris gets turned yeah. into a giant sloth or, you know, Spock's brain. They just they, they don't have enough episodes to, to just do something completely, you know, off kilter like that. They have to stay. Well, they don't have to fill time. They don't have to fill you know? time. I mean, they never came up with a 26 uh, episode season where every single episode was awesome, right? <laughs> right. You always have so, at least half a dozen stinkers in there. <laughs> so they have to stay on task. So they have to get the stuff in there about these characters' backgrounds when it's appropriate to the story and, and find a way to get it in there. And, and, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. And I love it. I love it. I love all of it. And I can't wait to see what they do with Discovery. I'm looking forward to Picard. They, they filmed season two and three back to back. So we're going to see two more seasons. Q coming back. Like Eric already, or Charles already said, Prodigy is going to hit really soon. Um, probably when, this, when Lower Decks wraps up, I would assume. Uh, could be wrong. But if they're going to get it out in the fall and it's going to be 2021, it's got to be shortly after Lower Decks wraps up. So at any rate, guys, believe it or not, it's time, it, it, it's time for our next fall, too. That's true. That's true. It's time for a, uh, another quick commercial break, guys. But we still have a lot to talk about. So please, 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 please don't touch that dial. Don't go away. We'll be right back after we hear the new Picard trailer. <laughs> Varys? Varys? Varys! What the hell is happening here? Excellent question, Jean-Luc. Oh, dear. You're a bit older than I imagined. Mon capitaine, how I've missed you. Welcome, my friend, to the very end of the road not taken. Time has been broken. We can save the future, and I will get us home together. And we're doing our Star Trek news, and uh, we're just about to um, talk about Star Trek IV. Now, Star Trek IV just enjoyed its 30th, well, actually, technically not until November, but Fathom Events just put out the 4K version of Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, in the movie theaters. I did not get a chance to go and catch it, unfortunately, Um, but I'm sure that a lot of you did. Uh, Eric? Charles, did either one of you guys get out to see Star Trek Four? Nope. Uh, I did not get out to the movie theater to see it. I, uh, you know, remembered seeing it in the movie theater back in the day and just uh, have kept that experience with me. So I didn't get a chance to see this new version. But uh, I do think seeing it on the big screen is pretty cool. 
Yeah, I, I really wanted to go, except up here we were having that, that uh, storm warning there. What was that? Elon, or what was that? That hurricane, whatever. And we were up at camp, and the wind was blowing, and the rain was pounding, and uh, we wanted to get out of the woods and get back home in case the hurricane hit. Turned out, got downgraded, and it was really nothing. So I could have gone to see it, but better safe than sorry. But at any rate, uh, in honor of the Fathom event Star Trek 4, 35th anniversary 4K release, I want to play the trailer for Star Trek 4, and then we'll talk a little bit about our memories of the movie. Maybe. There we go. Avoid the planet Earth at all costs. They are under the attack of an opening probe. Notify all stations. Starfleet emergency. Red alert. Earth is on the edge of destruction. We cannot survive unless a way can be found to respond to the probe. The key to saving the future. Spock, you're talking about the end of every life on Earth. Can be found only in the past. We're going to attempt time travel. Sulu? Take us home. These are the voyages of the crew of the Starship Enterprise. Judging by the pollution content of the atmosphere, I believe we have arrived at the latter half of the 20th century. Stardate 1986. San Francisco. Our own world is waiting for us to save it. They have 24 hours. Everybody remember where we parked. Break up. To complete their mission. It looked like a cadet review. We will beam in tonight to collect the photons and beam up. I want you all to be very careful without being discovered. We have an intruder. All right, who are you? You're not exactly catching us at our best. That much is certain. This is an extremely primitive and paranoid culture. What does it mean, exact change? Many of their customs will doubtless take us by surprise. We're ready for beam out. I transport our power down to minimal. We've got to bring in one at a time. You're from outer space. No, I'm from Iowa. I only work in outer space. Let's do our job and get out of here. Hey! Take off, can you hear me? You can't. Our next stop is the 23rd century. Full power now, sir. Shield at maximum. Steady. Hold on tight, Lassie. Can we make breakaway speed? That's all I can give you. Book eight. Book nine. Now. Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Star Trek IV because I think that, um, wait, what's going on here? Stop that, stop that, there we go. Live radio, guys, you get mistakes like that. I think the Star Trek IV ties great into what we're going to talk about next, and that's Lower Decks. And I think because Star Trek IV introduced something to Star Trek that really wasn't there in mass quantities before, and I'm talking about the comedy. Star Trek IV introduced comedy to Star Trek, which I think is something that it really needed. It was always there, but just beneath the surface. And I think Star Trek IV showed audiences that, yes, Star Trek can be serious, but it can also be funny. And I think that's where Lower Decks really comes from with Star Trek IV. If it wasn't for Star Trek IV being as popular as it was, I'm not sure if we would have Lower Decks. So, what do you think, Eric? Do you think that's pretty accurate? 
I definitely think that Star Trek IV brought the humor into it, and I think it was because they did it with a storyline that brought them to contemporary times, and so it, it, they, they were able to actually bring their audience into the story just a little bit more because they took the audience to their own time. And, you know, what would it be like if you tried to land a, a cloaked bird of prey in Central Park or, or that type of thing? So I absolutely agree with you, Jim. I, you know, the other thing that Star Trek IV uh, introduced to us, which I, I am keeping my fingers crossed for season two here, I, I feel like we may eventually see Cetacean Ops on the Cerritos. And if we do, I personally think that will be a direct result of Cetacean Ops existing on the Enterprise B, which I think is a natural outgrowth of Star Trek IV. So for anybody who doesn't know, Cetacean Ops is a section of the Enterprise B saucer section. Uh, cetaceans are whales, porpoises, mammals. Uh, they fit into a family of marine mammals. And so the implication is that on the Enterprise B, there were um, cetacean crew members. And I've heard some kind of uh, headcanon on that, that uh, the reason they kept them around is that, you know, in case the probe ever showed up again one day, the sh- uh, at least one ship, the Federation flagship, would have crew members uh, readily available that could talk to the probe and be like, hey, nope, it's cool, man. You don't have to shut off all the electricity here. Uh, we still got whales. <laughs> uh, they've referenced it. They've referenced it a couple times in Lower Decks, and man, I really hope we get to see some some like whale or porpoise crew members on the Cerritos. I think that'd be so cool. That would be that would be excellent. What do What do you think, Charles? Do you think Star Trek Four set up Lower Decks? Yeah, I think I think they looked at what they did with Star Trek Four. And then they started saying, oh, we could do an animated series. And they were thinking about, like, well, gee, we had so much success with Voyage Home that they never really got, they always had a little bit of humor, but we all just got more of the drama. I think the thing is, they realized that we need a little bit of comedy. I think Star Trek and Paul was perfect because Instead of looking at modern society and trying to look at the, the dramatic way, let's look at modern society a little less seriously. See, there is a lot of humor. There's a lot of things we can laugh at in modern society. How the, the country was in the 80s. And that's probably to a lot of people an interesting view of really what this country was like in the 80s. Star Trek went in the 60s. But always a very serious and very straightforward look. Whereas Star Trek Four went directly, directly into the city and gave us a more humorous look. And I think they, I think they finally realized now that we need a little more comedy, we want we want we want times we want to sit back and laugh. And it's like, well, there's a pretty good fan base for Rick and Morty, and people do laugh at that show. Well, what if we do a Star Trek version of it? 
Grab the Star Trek version of it. I'm sitting here laughing away at the series. I get a Thursday morning where I get to sit there and start just laughing away. Just, what are they going to do next? And I come back Thursday night before the show and say, okay, got to recheck and see what I missed. Because it's so easy to miss things. In fact, sometimes I think we, we start talking about it, but yeah, we got to go back and check it again. Because we missed something else. But they're throwing so many things. But, but the thing is, Lower Decks isn't laughing at Star Trek. Lower Decks is bringing up memories of Star Trek and making us laugh and enjoy with it. And that's, I think, where it's not a parody, it's a comedy. Because we're laughing at how much, what Star Trek is. I can't wait to talk about this this episode. Just by some of you the connections so of the series. It's actually a really good point and a parallel that I'd never actually thought about before between Star Trek Four and Lower Decks is that Star Trek Four fundamentally was funny because it pointed out all of the asinine stuff that we did back in the eighties, right? The the traffic and the and the swearing and the loud music on the subway and all of these things that were illogical or unfamiliar to our people from the future. Uh, the reason the movie was funny is that it was just pointing out what society was doing at the time. Lower Decks is funny in that it goes back and it points out all of the things that Star Trek has done in the past. And, you know, it sort of makes fun a little bit of little inconsistencies or little things like Tom Paris being a salamander or <laughs> that sort of stuff. And it does, it is able to laugh along with itself a little bit. I agree. I don't think it laughs at itself. I think it laughs along with itself and yet still somehow manages to, uh, you know, be Star Trek. It actually has, like, Star Trek values that come out of it. So, I don't know. I never thought about that before with Star Trek Four. It, 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 it did a similar thing where it's sort of like, you're right, it's not a parody, but it, it put itself in a position to be able to make fun of the environment it was in. Absolutely. And before we move on, I, I I have to play this, guys. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. It... Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. It... That's right. We're going to have some serious spoilers, so stay tuned. And, uh... Charles, you get our next story. Yep, this was this was definitely a good story in there. Even though we missed our black little early mentioning Tom Paris. But we'll talk about that soon. Star Trek recycles Riker's TNG doppelganger. And it's brilliant. Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 2 rehashed Star Trek Next Generation transport engines that created two William Riker, Jonathan Frake, and it was a brilliant solution to the dilemma of how to transform Emler, Ensign Bram Boiler, Boimler, Jack Quaid, Pastor Cerritos. Will Riker's doppelganger, Thomas Riker, was created in TNG's Episode 6, Second Chances, thanks to a transporter malfunction. To save his away team from a packed 
mining colony, Boimler transported them back to the, to the Titan. But he was caught in the transport distortion. Boimler beamed back to the Titan only to learn there was a transporter clone when the original Boimler Boimler made it back to the starship before the shuttlecraft. Hilarious. When Captain Riker realized what happened, he remembered, I've heard this tune before. Star Trek Lower Decks, even Clary set up Boimler's duplication when Bradward directly referenced how Will Riker ended up with two identical clones named Thomas. Sure enough, the same incident gave birth to Bradward Boimler. Riker, the only other man in the galaxy that has happened to, gave the Boimlers a savage advice. Meeting your exact meeting your exact devil is never easy. No. But and that that was a great bring, episode. What a way to bring Boimler back. It's like, okay, how are we gonna get Boimler back on the Cerritos so he's on the Titan? Let's split them in half and have two of them. That's perfect. And I think that that change, I think, was, is what caused part of his problem in this episode. Yes, I think episode it was. two was a, well, episode two was a was the cause for the effect of what happened in episode three for him. Oh, I agree completely, Charles. I think you're absolutely right. Absolutely. So, uh, I uh, want to talk about Star Trek Day. Yeah, we got to get something in here, which I wasn't planning on it, but I had to put it in because it'll be too late next week. So not only is next Thursday leg day, but Wednesday is Star Trek Day. And Paramount dropped a brand new trailer on us for Star Trek Day, which I have here somewhere. There it is. Which I'm going to play for you guys right now. We have always looked to the stars to discover who we are. To seek the unknown. That's why we're here. Because there's no such thing as the unknown. Only things temporarily hidden. There are moments that will test us. Be bold. Be brave. Be courageous. Let's see what's out there. We are explorers. We explore our lives, day by day. Fascinating. Fascinating. Intriguing. We're going to stumble, make mistakes. <laughs> Weird. Weird is part of the job. We get to do what we love. We're going again. We get to reach for the best in ourselves. We get to reach for each other. Mortality gives meaning to human life. Love, friendship, these are precious because we know they cannot endure. We all have a story just waiting to be claimed. The 
past is written. But what we do now has the power to determine the future. And we will make that future bright. Wherever our mission takes us, we'll face our destinies with bravery and honor. The need to connect is at our core. It takes time and understanding. If things were easy... It wouldn't be worth it. <laughs> Keep saving the galaxy. Hell, set a course. Heading. Engage. Let's fly. Star Trek Day 2021 to feature live panels with cast and creatives from all five Paramount Plus. AJ. AJ. No, 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 no. No, no. No, no, no. Get off my headset. Sorry, guys. AJ is here. <coughs> on hey, September 8th, ni- AJ is here. Uh, on September 8th, 1966, Star Trek debuted with The Man Trap on NBC. And 55 years later, the franchise is still going strong. Paramount Plus is honoring September 8th as Star Trek Day to celebrate the franchise's enduring legacy by inviting fans from around the world to join in a celebration on Star Trek Day, Wednesday, September 8th at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Time, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The event will be streamed live from the Skirball Cultural Center in Los Angeles, California, which will be hosting the Star Trek Exploring the New Worlds exhibit, opening in October. Hosted by Will Wheaton and Mika Burton, the Star Trek Day event will feature back-to-back in-person conversations with cast members and creative minds from the five Star Trek universe, Paramount Plus, or ah, get down. Original, he keeps jumping on my headset. Get him out of here. Um, uh, uh, Cast members and creative minds from the five Star Trek universe, Paramount Plus original series. There will also be a special panel featuring legacy moments about the history of Star Trek. Paramount Plus is also promising surprise appearances and announcements. Throughout the event, Star Trek composer Jeff Russo will be at the helm of Star Trek Day stage with live orchestral performances of Star Trek music throughout the evening. Star Trek Legacy will include Star Trek Prodigy with series voice casting, including Brett Gray and Dee Bradley Baker, along with executive producers Kevin and Dan Hageman and co-executive producer-director Ben Hibon. Star Trek Discovery with series stars Wilson Cruz, Lou DeBario, and Ian Alexander, and co-executive producer Michelle Paradise. Star Trek Strange New Worlds will feature Anson Mount, Rebecca Romaine, and Ethan Peck, joined by co-showrunners and executive producers Akiva Goldsmith and Henry Alonzo Myers. The Star Trek Lower Decks panel will include cast members Noel Wells and Eugene Cordero, alongside series creator Showrunner and executive producer Mike McMahon. Star Trek Picard series panel will feature Patrick Stewart and Jerry Ryan, 
and co-showrunner, executive producer, Akiva Goldsman, and special live performance from Issa Briones singing Blue Skies. If you guys remember, that was the final song uh, in Picard season one when, when Picard had to turn off data. It was incredible. A Roddenberry Legacy panel featuring a conversation with Gene Roddenberry's son and CEO of Roddenberry Entertainment, Rod Roddenberry, alongside with Gates McFadden, LeVar Burton, and George Takei, as they discuss the Star Trek creator's indelible impact on science fiction and culture. The Legacy Moments will feature the following iconic Star Trek cast members. Sir Rick Lofton from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Anthony Montgomery from Star Trek Enterprise, Garrett Wong from Star Trek Voyager, George Takei from Star Trek The Original Series, and LeVar Burton from Star Trek The Next Generation. Fans worldwide will be able to live stream the Star Trek Day Celebration panels for free at StarTrek.com backslash day. The panels will also stream for free in the U.S. on Paramount Plus and Paramount Plus's Twitch page. So what do you guys think? Are you looking forward to Star Trek Day? You know it. Always enjoy the panel. Not as in depth as last year, but I think it's a more evening event, which more of us can see. And I'm definitely looking forward because you never know. We may get dates. We may get release dates. Prodigy keeps saying fall. We might finally get a date for Prodigy. We might get a finally date for Discovery. We might even see a date for uh, Strange New World. You never know, because they didn't use Star Trek Las Vegas this year for announcements. They saved it for their online. Can't wait to see what they do. I'm sure they'll drop uh, a new trailer. They might actually drop some footage for Strange New Worlds, which is wrapped. So um, I think it's great that, they, that it's on Paramount Plus, too. Because that way, I, when I get home from work or whatever, I can just flip on Paramount Plus and, and watch all the panels, which I think is great. So, um, that you know what that means, Eric? That means on Thursday, <laughs> when Charles is gone, we should have a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, uh, there's going to be a ton to talk about. Uh, so, we'll have to catch up with Charles the following week and see what he thought about Star Trek Day, too. But, yeah, next week is going to be yeah. a very busy week, that's for sure. Yeah, we'll have Leg Day to, to go over, of course, and uh, we'll have Star Trek Day to go over, of course. So it's going to be – it'll be a fun, fun evening. Anyways, guys, uh, we are about to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks. We'll always have Tom Harris. So please, please give us a call at 646-668-2433. Tell us what you thought about Star Trek Lower Decks, and we'll be right back after this very quick message. Uh, What do I have programmed? This is the Prodigy teaser trailer, so enjoy. No one shall escape. I'm getting out of here to a better life. You're the only one who still thinks he can. Happen if they catch us. Like it or not, you're stuck with me. I tried to save you, and now we can save each other. What is all of this? 
ticket out of here. We've only just begun. There are a lot more stars than I thought. And we're back. We're talking about Star Trek Lower Decks. We'll always have Tom Paris. So if you want to call and give us a call and talk about Lower Decks, now would definitely be the time. And um, I do have a clip that I want to play for you guys. But before I play it, though, I want to say congratulations to Star Trek because with the airing of Star Trek Lower Decks episode, we'll always have Tom Paris. Guess what? That was the 800th episode of Star Trek that had aired. Pretty cool, huh? That's awesome. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that is really, I remember really when they were cool. barely 700. Now we're at eight. <laughs> and and that that's cool. I think that's really, really cool. So congratulations to Star Trek on their 800th episode. Now somebody was complaining and arguing that uh, according to Wikipedia, there's 804 episodes and, and that they're wrong. But I, I had to point out to this individual that a lot of the episodes, like let's use Caretaker, for instance, the Voyager premiere, was broken up into two parts, but it was originally aired as one part. But now it's part one and part two. So a lot of these episodes were broken up into two-part episodes instead of one, and that would account for the reason why Paramount says that they've produced 800, but Wikipedia says 804. So, at any rate, either way, congratulations to Star Trek on their 800th episode. That's really cool. I have to play this for you guys again. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. Absolutely, some serious spoiler territory indeed. The episode just dropped today. It's fresh. It's hot off the press. So if you don't want to know about it, if you don't want to hear about it, then you need to go away and come watch it and then come right back. Now, this episode was hard for me to, to find something because it was such a good episode. Uh, to find a clip to play for you guys was tough because there were so many good ones. Um, so I went with this one. Guess who I get to meet today? The creator of Fairhaven, Captain Proton himself, Lieutenant Tom Paris. No way, that's awesome. Is he still a salamander? No, that's not. It was a celerity-induced accelerated somatic mutation rate, and he's fine now. He was the first human to break the transport barrier, and today he's on the Cerritos. You have a Voyager plate? I collect all sorts of plates, and I love Voy. See, I have signatures from all the other bridge crew, from Janeway all the way down to Kim, everyone from Voy. Why do you keep saying Voy? That's what I call Voyager to save time. It doesn't. Paris is on a handshake tour telling Voy stories for morale. I heard Jack talking about it. It doesn't bug you that he's back from the dead? Eh, bridge crew always come back. Fine, but how? I don't know. We're lower decks. We don't get to know everything bridge crew does. He saved my life. You know what? I'm going to ask him. They don't like it when people ask how they came back, man. It's probably just a transporter pattern buffer thing. Yeah, or a restored Katra, or a mirror universe switcheroo, or the Borg rebuilt him. Or he could be a future son from an alternate timeline, or maybe he got Genesis device, or a time ribbon. Or he was trapped in the Nexus. Nexus, time ribbon, same thing. Point is, this stuff always happens, even on Void. Wow, that does actually save a ton of time. I'm an engineer. Solving impossible problems is what I do. Ah, I can't let it go. And I can't let Tom Paris go, not until he sides my plate. 
So I just, where to start? <laughs> just where do I start with this episode? Okay, this episode felt like a real Star Trek episode. There was actually three subplots going on in this episode, which was great. I loved it. That first, the scene I just played for you guys was like right in the very beginning of the episode, um, like right after the credits. Um, and the, the thing I liked about it is, who doesn't collect Star Trek plates? I, I have a bunch. <laughs> who, who doesn't get them signed? I do. So I kind of felt like, you know, Brad was like, was like us. Like if we were in Star Trek, Brad would be us. And uh, the fact that he had all the plates and he had them all in alphabetical order and he had them all signed, I was just laughing because hey, that's what I do. <laughs> so I thought it was great. And the fact that they were naming off all these references to episodes and movies, it was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, the giant salamanders. Oh, my God, let's forget that one. But it was just great that they were digging deep, 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 deep to find this stuff. And you know what? If you didn't know what they were referring to, it didn't affect your enjoyment of the episode. But if you did, it just made it that much better. So, um, well, I've talked enough. What did you think, Eric? Uh, Yeah, I dug this episode. I... I think I liked last week's just a little better, but there were so many cool things in this one. Uh, yeah, I won't, I won't read off all the references. I give Charles maybe a chance to, to bring some of those out. But, you know, some of the ones that I thought were really cool were uh, Quark. You got to see where Quark is in the future. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, I think my favorite part of the episode was the the fact that they did pair Tendi and Mariner together and the fact that Tendi and Mariner have this whole discussion about how they never get paired together. <laughs> so not only does Lower Deck make fun of other Star Trek, but it, it has now started making fun of itself, which I think is just fantastic. Um, I think that's exactly the type of thing that it should be doing. So I love that. Uh there are all sorts of kind of like 21st century things that you would have never seen in old Star Trek, for example, that happen in this show. Like, uh, like when Tendi turns Mariner's skin green, uh, so that she can pretend to be an Orion, uh, you know, Mariner says something about how it, it makes her pretty uncomfortable. And I think that that's a reference back to, uh, people putting on makeup back in the 60s to represent themselves as other different races uh, back in the TOS days. You may remember they had zero Native Americans and, you know, uh, that Paradise Syndrome episode, uh, you know, things like that. So, yeah. so it's fun and, and that Lower Deck is actually... That, yeah. episode, that, that particular scene when, when uh, she says, well, how am I going to fit in? And she says, talk like a pirate. She's like, arr, matey. Pirate. I was like... Oh my like, God! <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I was just—I never laughed so hard. I know it was so—it was, so it, it was so good. And you know, Mariner when she's green, she's like, "This just feels wrong. Don't take any pictures of me." Uh, <laughs> but and then, and then the other oh, they're really strong. I know, this time yeah. Of season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, oh, one of my other God. 
I know one of my other favorite scenes was when Tendi's deciding uh, that she's going to get the Orions to help him out. And, you know, she just spent all of this time talking about how she's different from other Orions, how she doesn't have, like, the pheromones to be able to influence people, da-da-da-da-da, this and that. And then she's like, but, you know, I think we could go and get these pirates to help us out. And Mariner's like, well, if the optics of that don't bother you, then let's do it. She spends all this time defending herself. And then, and then she goes to the pirates for help. And then she's like um, the mistress of Winterland and the dominance of this and kicking the guy's butt and using her boss voice. Oh, right. I loved it. I loved it. (laughs) Don't you want to know like where Tendi came from and like what she's done in her past? Oh my gosh, that is just so funny. So, so yeah, I dug this episode. I like that we got different pairings and different people than we gotten before. I like the inside jokes. Of course, I got all the Voyager jokes. Um, and I love the fact that it just continues to be interesting too. You know, it's like you, you don't have to be in with Star Trek to really enjoy lower decks. You can enjoy it no matter what level of, uh, Star Trek you're familiar with already. So totally dug this episode. It was a good one. Charles, how about you? Well, let me start with a little bit of trivia. Where did we get this episode title from? From the sixth episode of season one of TNG, we'll always have Paris. And where did TNG get it from? Uh, I, I didn't know they got it from anywhere. Eric? I don't know, Charles, where? It comes from Casablanca. Casablanca, right. the original line will always have Paris. And that's where TNG got the episode title, and that's how we work this title in. Did but, not know that. Yeah, I, I was curious. I know it came from that, but I started reading up a little details. Like, oh, it came from there. It's like, okay. But you look at this episode, it's like, okay. We got to learn about the Orion. I don't think, have we ever spent time really on a true Orion planet? Yeah, we did back in Enterprise. Well, we we saw an Orion colony on on Discovery. We saw an Orion colony on on the Klingon homeworld. But it was also, yeah, Yeah, a little bit of that. Yeah. But nothing detailed like this. Not a home world like this. It's like, okay, I'm curious. We're not curious about Orion. We want some details for Orion. But then I'm also curious. uh, The doctor's race with Teton. Cation. Cation. I'm curious about the Cation. Because there are a lot more cat life than we thought. Oh, my God, Charles. When she jumps in the box and she's purring and her eyes are wide, I thought of AJ right away. I was like, oh, my God. If I throw a box on the floor, that would be AJ. AJ would be that person. (laughs) We always joke about how cats love boxes. 
Look, they love boxers too. They don't. It's interesting what the uses of a scratching post. It's like, I don't want a scratching post. I want a box. I want a box to play in. That's like, somewhere, I know there was a bunch of references thrown out, and I forgot where it was, but somewhere in one of the references, the Bionards were referenced. Yeah, when they were talking about all the people and races that Mariner may or may not have dated over the years, Tendi's like, I've never seen you date anybody. And she's like, oh, yeah, I've dated guys, girls, binary, binars, like all sorts of stuff. Yeah, she said she dated a non-binary binar. And then I was like, how can you have a non-binary binar? (laughs) 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 But we also got, we, okay, but, and this, we got a backstory on Mariner that we've never gotten before. Yeah, well, she broke Worf's Macleth on Deep Space Nine and had to fix it before he found out. <laughs> I thought that was great, too. But he, she's been on DS9? <laughs> this is her, her fourth ship. It's like, yeah. not only we learn about Kindy, we're learning about Mariner. We're getting backstories. And it's like, oh, I love backstories. Man, I'm curious about learning more about what Mariner's been through. But we we get they're making these characters they're they're giving these characters so much backstory and it's just I love that addition to the series I think that's what made this episode so fun it's oh girls trip <clears throat> girls night out where the girls go out and have fun and. You get to see a different side of the girl. But you also got to see, it's like, okay, Shaq came back. It's like, okay, okay, how did Shaq come back? It's like, there's a whole storyline for that, but they also made up a storyline of all the possibilities of how he could come back. Coming back as a board. Coming back through the rift. coming back to an alternate timeline. It's like... I think sometimes these episodes may come in and we say this and I think people might say, well, wait a minute, where is, where is the rift in Star Trek? It's like, oh, that's Star Trek. That's, that's Generations. Like, oh, okay, I guess I got to go back and watch Generations so I understand... Where that reference came from. The Salamanders. Wait, 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 what what Salamanders? I forgot about that episode. Oh, I better go back and watch that episode. Oh, don't go watch it. It's awesome. And it's like, okay, but hey, you're getting people that may not have seen all of Star Trek who are now saying, I got to see all of Star Trek. I want to start catching all these references. They were throwing out so many references that are getting people to sit there. I think getting some people going out and saying, I got to go back and re see what that reference means. How many links did you, how many different shows got caught up last week in the collector's room that people are like, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. That came from what episode? Oh, 
I gotta go see that episode. I think it's a great way of dragging people back to Star Trek. Oh, you don't you didn't see that episode? Oh well you gotta go see that episode. Oh you gotta go see this episode. So not only is it sit there playing to those fans who've been around who remember all the trivia. We're now getting fans that don't know all the trivia and we now want to go back and see it. I think it's right, what that, a great that, tie-in. That plays perfect into the story we were talking about at the top of the show about Star Trek changing and how, you know, the yeah, Kelvin yeah. movies and all brought a lot of new fans in that might not know about Spock 2 and Caniculus 5. And, you know, now they can go find out about it, which is great. Lower Decks brought my kid into the fold. She now is a Star Trek fan, so that, that to me is a win. I couldn't get her to watch I any actually, of the series, but Lower Decks is animated. She loves the dark humor. I, the, I actually had the, the guy that recorded our, the Star Trek uh, promo for us is a, is a disc jockey in a local radio station. And uh, he sent me a text yesterday and said, hey, did you, see, did you see this yet? And he sent me the thing for Lower Decks. He says, it looks, it looks hilarious. I'm going to have to check it out. And I said, oh, absolutely. You'll love it because he's a huge TOS fan, but he's not really into anything else. And so I, I hooked him up with Jim Flix, and he loves it. He loves Lower Decks now, and he, and he, he hasn't seen anything since TOS and a little bit of TNG. And he lo- he's a huge Lower Decks fan now. So it appeals to a lot of people. But overall, but I think I, on a score of 1 to 10, I laugh Eric. At a, I, laugh at a, I laugh at a meme that I saw, I think, today that I think just kind of fits in with this whole theme. And you see one person's like, oh, I binge watch this series. And somebody's laugh is like, oh, I watch this series. And you hear somebody in the background saying, rookies. Like, who are you calling a rookie? I binge Star Trek. And you realize yeah, now it's like, that's 800 episodes. That is true binge-worthy. And I, I believe we had a – we had a Eric, I think it was your story. How, many, how long would it have taken someone to watch every single episode? I think that was the story that you got, it was like, wasn't it? It was something like 26 years or something if you watched one – like if you only watched one a day. Months. But, you know, Jim, I, like I do years, think it's important to – I do think it's important to – or months, I'm sorry, I said years – but I do think it's important to point out that new people who are not familiar with Star Trek, although there are 800 episodes out there, you shouldn't feel intimidated. Because I think with new Star Trek, uh, newer Star Trek, like Star Trek that's come out in the last uh, three, four, five years, I think you could start there if you want to. Um, and you could go back and you can watch some of that old stuff, but you don't have to. So I do think that some people get a little intimidated by how much Star Trek is out there, and you don't have to see every single episode. I mean, some of us have to, but <laughs> not everybody well, has to. I think, Eric, I think that the one thing that I, I, I'm going to use a term, you know what, modern Star Trek, let me say that. The one thing that modern Star Trek does that older Star Trek didn't is that 
they tried to separate the shows and make them completely separate as much as possible. They didn't like to bring them together and cross them unless they absolutely positively had to. And so that they were all stood on their own, which in my opinion, I think was a mistake. I think that the Dominion War would have affected, well, let's not get into that. But at any rate, they tried to keep them separate. Yeah, Picard went to Deep Space Nine. Yeah, Voyager went to Deep Space Nine. But for the most part, every, all the things that occurred on each different show were singularly unique to that individual show. Well, that's not the case with modern Star Trek. They, they all intertwine so that if you're a fan of Picard and you, 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 you never watched Discovery or whatever, there's references in Picard to Discovery and that they, they all kind of intertwine now. And they're not afraid to do that. So if you were to jump into Star Trek now, it would be easy for you to catch up because you, you'd see all these references, particularly with Lower Decks, I think. So, so yeah. Eric, what would you give this episode? Yeah. Score 1 to 10. Uh, I would say on a 1 to 10, I will give this episode, hmm, I'm going to give it a 8. I really enjoyed eight. it. It was not my favorite episode of the season, but I still think it was very good. Eight. How, how about you? What do you think, Charles? One to ten. I'm going to go eight and a half. Definitely yeah. a good direction for a lower deck. I'm right there with you. Eight and a half. And did you guys notice they changed the opening credits yet again? Yeah, they tweak it just a little bit each week, and it's kind of fun to try and make sure you see what, what's going on. So that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, they, they had they had a, a Klingon bird of prey that flies by and gets blown up by the pack lid. And every week they add something else into that battle sequence, so you got to watch it. Watch it next week. But, guys, we're down to five minutes, believe it or not. Um, so I just want to let you know that next week, we got a lot going on next week. First of all, uh, Charles won't be with us, so Eric and I will be flying solo. Uh, but it is Star Trek Day. So I think we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. We might have some new trailers to play for you guys. I'm pretty sure they're going to drop some stuff on us, and we will have all that for you guys hot off the presses. So Thursday's show is going to be really fun. We're also going to talk about Lower Decks Episode 4, whatever they title it. I don't know yet. So right now it's just titled XXX. As soon as they leak the title, I'll get that in our show notes, and we'll know what it is, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Star Trek Day. Also, just to let you guys know, for our listeners in New York City, I'm talking to you, our number one city. Guess what? Trek Talking is going to be live on Saturday, the 4th, Labor Day weekend, at the Pine Bush Supernatural and UFO Museum in Pine Bush, New York. On Saturday from 10 to 4, they're having a UFO festival. We've been invited to go there and broadcast live from their new museum. Uh, we're going to be getting a private tour. I'm going to be touring around the museum with a tour guide talking about all the exhibits um, that are there. Uh, the Bigfoot Museum is going to be a lot of fun. If you're in the area, please stop by at the Pine Bush UFO Festival. Stop by at the UFO and Supernatural Museum and say hello to yours truly, Uncle Jim, since I could not go to Star Trek Las Vegas. And the Leslie Hoffman will be there with me. Uh, my daughter, DJ Styles, Jamie, who used to do the podcast with us, will be there with me. Ewok Karen will also be there with me. And the Admiral himself, Admiral Ken, is going to be there as well. So we're going to have a pretty good contingent down there at the UFO Festival. 
So please drop by and say hello. I would love to meet you. So mark that on your calendar. And the best part is it's free. All you got to do is show up. Um, so, yeah, please do that if you're in the area. It would be great to, to meet some of you guys. Um, I want to say thank you so much to everybody from listening around the globe, wherever you're listening from. We really appreciate it. Please check out our Facebook page, Truck Talking and Beyond. Give us a like, give us a follow, and tell us where you're listening from. We really like to engage with you guys as much as possible. Um, is there anything else? Nope, I think that was it. So I want to say thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Eric, uh, couldn't do the show without you, so thank you so much for hanging out with us. It's always a good time, guys. Thanks very much. And, of course, thank you to my right-hand man, Charles. We couldn't do the show without you either, but we're going to have to do it without you next week. So please have a good time at your retreat. And when you come back the following week, we're going to want to hear all the stories, and we're also going to want to hear what you thought about all the news that comes out of Star Trek Day. So thank you very much, Charles, and we look forward to hearing from you. Oh, it's so much fun talking Trek. I'm going to miss next week, but need a little bit of a break. Yep, I, I, I hear that. I hear that. I hear that. So, like I said, we're going to have two podcasts for you guys next week. We're going to have Thursday's it's Leg Day show, and then we're going to have Saturday live from Pine Bush, New York. So check that out, please, and uh, visit our Facebook page. So I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And I want to say to everybody, please be good to each other and be safe. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night. All right, then. Everybody ready? Yes, sir. Let's fly. Thank you for calling Trick Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Yeah, my name's Joe from Montana. Hey, Joe from Montana. What's going on? 
So, um, I saw the headline. Uh, we'll, we'll remember Tom Paris. It kind of vaguely triggered a memory in me. Is this about Star Trek Voyager? Is this about the death of Tom Paris? Uh, uh, no, this was the well, the episode where um, uh, Patrick Stewart, where Captain Picard goes out of the holodeck and his old girlfriend comes back from the past. And that's the reference that they're using. But this particular episode was Star Trek Lower Decks, where Tom Paris visits, it, oh, okay. visits the new show. Yep, he, he shows up uh, on Lower Decks. Right. Did you get a uh, chance I, to I watch it? Episode. Oh, no, it was really good. No. You have to check it out. Are you a Voyager no, Most of the... Um, yeah, I like... Um, I, I actually believe Janeway. I forgot the actress's name and her portrayal of Janeway as the captain of the uh, Federation ship. I thought she was pretty good in that, and I thought those episodes were uh, were pretty much amongst the best episodes in the Star Trek franchise. Yeah, Janeway was cool. I liked her. She was a very good captain, put in a really tough situation. Yeah, and she handled it very well. She wasn't in especially... Um, uh, she wasn't like Lucia Lawless in Xena. She didn't give off that kind of very strong uh, aura. But the way that she did captain, the way that she did show her leadership skills, it was pretty good. And that's not bad coming from the wife of Columbo. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Uh, did did you uh, ever, did you happen to see the movie Remo Williams? I know of it. She, That's like a 1970s, 1980s uh, film, yep. but I have um, I didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, she stars in that. Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins, and uh, she played in that as well. And, and how about Orange no, and the New Black? She, she played Red in the Orange oh, yeah? and the New Black. Yep. Uh, see, I don't have a TV anymore, so I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, I threw my TV out years ago. Well, when it broke down, I didn't. I just didn't bother to replace it. So oh, I have. Okay. But I do watch whatever I do watch. I watch on the internet. But yep. um, I forget. I think it's Kate Mulligan. I forget yep. the actress's Kate, name, but she's a good actress. Kate Mulgrew. Yep. Kate Mulgrew. Kate Mulgrew. I was close. Yep. <laughs> so she. I didn't see her in Red Is the New Black because I. That's a. That's a pretty good program by itself too. Yeah, that that what is was excellent. She, in jail for? she uh <laughs> she was a a Russian mobster and she she got arrested and got put in jail and she runs the kitchen in the prison. And her name is Red. Oh, and she's got right? red hair. Ah. She's great. She's really great ah. in that. If Orange is the new black, she's great. She hmm. really is. I thought the casting director had to be pretty good to put her as Janeway. Because who would have thought that? I think she's about five foot three, and again, she doesn't really have a lot of charisma, but she's a good enough actress to have pulled it off, to be one who's believable, and that the people around her would actually follow her orders the way that they did, and the way that she did handle those situations that came up. I thought she did an impressive job, uh, but more than that, I thought that the episodes themselves were well written. As a matter of fact, most of the uh, Star Trek uh, episodes. Um, are probably well written. It's, it's a science fiction genre that doesn't really overreach. Um, it doesn't get beyond the, the you know. It doesn't really make you have a suspension of belief of disbelief for too long. So I thought they did a pretty good job. I agree. 
I agree. Absolutely. I mean, th- there were some episodes like uh, where they got turned into giant salamanders um, that were weak, but for the most part, <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a you know a solid series. Very solid. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I well, didn't the like the Kazons. Oh. I, I thought the Kazons oh, were like kind of weak. No, I thought they were just like Klingons oh. having a bad hair day. Um, but yeah. I did yeah. like the the, the the Vidians, how they were harvesting people's organs. That was really creepy. And uh, I liked uh-huh. the Herogen Hunters. I thought they were awesome. And uh, Species 8472. Mm. From fluidic space, they were cool too. And the Borg, I like them. I like the way the that they. Yeah, I was about to say not just the Borg, but the way that the uh, fluidic people, how they were going to defeat the Borg. You remember when the Borg invaded their watery territory? <laughs> yep, I do. Uh, yeah, I Very... those, yeah, I thought those episodes were good. The the major episodes that I liked the best were the ones which involved um, creatures with supernatural powers. I forget, there were yep. a couple of them, only about two of them. There was the Q, and then there was another one that had, not, not, the, um, not the one that came in at the last episode of Star Trek Voyager, not him, but there was another species that had supernatural powers, and I forget the name of that species. They only made a, an appearance a few times. Um. And I like the way that the writers turn Q into a funny character. Here's a guy that the, you know, the Federation could never defeat, no matter what. And yet he was, um, uh, I, forgot his, I forgot that actor's name, but I remember him from being on uh, soap operas. Um, but I thought, they, I thought it was well written. Uh, I like Star Trek better than Star Wars. Star Wars wasn't bad, but Star Trek franchise, I didn't like a Babylon. For some reason, I thought all those episodes, or most of them, they were pretty dry. Yeah, that was um, John Delancey who played Q. Yeah. And, and he's coming back the guy on that Star played... Trek Picard, by the way. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's, he's going to be on okay, season man. two and season three of Star Trek Picard. They filmed season two and three back-to-back. So he's going to be in three episodes in season two. And three episodes in season three. So you can Are they going to show him as age? Is he yeah. age? Because a god doesn't age. He's, he's yeah, age. So. <laughs> and uh, if you go on YouTube and uh, you, you look for the season for the season two teaser trailer for Star Trek Picard, and uh, Picard walks uh-huh. into his vineyard, and he hears Q's voice. And uh, he says, is that you, Q? Uh-huh. And, Picard, and Q says, how you've aged. And then when Q shows up, he ages himself so that he matches <laughs> Captain Picard. And that's how they deal with oh, the aging so of, the, of the actor. Now. Oh, okay. Yep. It's really well <laughs> okay. done. Good writing. Yeah, good yep. writing. Yeah. Very well like done. Age. But if he's going to do it to be compatible with, uh, with Picard, I can see that. Who played Cisco? I didn't like him. and I liked him when he played Hunter. I mean, Hawk. I didn't like him when he played Cisco. I forget the, um, the actor's name. Uh, um, um, Avery Brooks. Yeah. Yep, Avery Brooks. Now, that kind, of, yeah, that kind of downplayed his talent. When he played Hawk, um, that really showed his talent. 
Uh, but when he played uh, Cisco, he played it very, very meek and mild, in my opinion. He kind of, um, you know, he, he was playing the, the, the sophisticated Star Trek captain. And he didn't have a lot of, um, a lot of verve. But when he played Hawk, he played, a, he played a character that had a lot of energy and had, um, and had a lot of intrigue. But um, I didn't like I didn't like that particular part of the uh, of the franchise that particular series that took off. Um, um, what's his name? The English actor I liked him when he replaced Kirk. I always think William Shatner um, and uh, Cable grew the best captain. Um, well, oddly enough, I forgot I think the actor. Avery Brooks. Uh-huh. I think Cisco got better when he got when he lost his hair. When he had, when he got the goatee mm-hmm. and lost his hair in later seasons of Deep Space Nine, I uh-huh. think that's when when the character really stepped into his own being. Well, maybe so, maybe so, because like I said, he had he had talent when he played Hawk. If he was going, he should show that that inner aggressiveness, um, the um, the ability to take charge. I thought would have been better for the role as Cisco. But if he started doing that later on, then cool. Uh, but I didn't like that particular franchise as much as, well, my favorite has always been Star Trek Voyager and then the original Star Trek with William Shatner. I thought William Shatner put in his Shakespearean um, talent fairly well, <laughs> even though people yep. complained that it was a little bit overacting. I thought it was, I thought it was well done. <laughs> it, only Shatner could have pulled that off. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> well, in any case, I'm going to let you go to get back to the show. So take it easy, okay? Well, thank you for calling, and please feel free to call back anytime. We're here live every Thursday night, and we'd love to hear from you. Well, guys, uh, I guess we're going to really say good night now. So uh, Eric and Charles have already signed off. I already played our uh, our. Uh, good night song so i'm gonna i'm gonna do something a little bit different here something i haven't done in a while let me try to find it on my board here and uh we're gonna say good night for the second time guys so please everybody uh stay safe be good to each other and uh you know just try to be cool and we're gonna say good night for the final time let's see what's out there with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.